0: Welcome to the latest episode of the Columbia Basin Conservative Institute podcast. Uh, This is Ken, and uh, notably absent is Josh, but he'll be here in uh, probably a few minutes here, running a bit late. But um, boy, and I tell you what, now that I say that name, because I've never done the intro of the podcast, we're going to have to change that name of the podcast. That is (laughs) a brutal one to start with. So uh, uh, for all the times I've let Josh do that, I'm sorry, Josh, and we'll work on a new name here, I think. Um, but uh, more exciting is we are joined by a special guest and uh, first appearance, but uh, hopefully first of many. Um, Yakma County Commissioner Kyle Curtis. Kyle, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Ken.
0: Wonderful. Well, um, yeah. So I, I guess you know one of the one of the focuses of CBCI is just encouraging and helping others who might be service minded who are thinking about running for office someday, um, you know, identify if that's a good fit for their skill set, their background, their interests, et cetera. Um, And so before we get into the specifics of your role, what you do as a kind of commissioner and and your district, um, would love to just, because I know you've been involved in in Washington state politics for a while, even before you decided to run. So what's kind of your background and what got you into politics and um, ultimately led you to choose to run?
1: Right on. Yeah, I got involved pretty relatively young. Um, I first got involved with the Republican Party when I came across them at our state fair uh, during our Central Washington State Fair. They had a booth there. So probably around 16 or so, I realized that I identified more with the Republican platform than the Democrat platform. And ever since then, I've been helping with canvassing, sign waving and whatnot at a local level. And it wasn't until in college when I went to the University of Washington where I helped restart and reactivate our college Republican chapter there at the University of Washington, my sophomore year. So I served as president for two years, and then the last two years as vice president, and really helped to ensure that we had a conservative voice on the college campus, the liberal college campus of the University of Washington. And while I was at uh, UW, I also got involved with the King County Republican Central Committee. So I served as a secretary there for four years uh, on the board, and then. After spending six years in Seattle, jumped back to Yakima and then again joined our uh, Yakima County Central Republican Committee as uh, treasurer and then state committee man and then back as treasurer. So I've been involved in the grassroots for some time. I've always been uh, drawn to folks that are civically engaged that want to make a difference. It's one thing to just complain all the time, but it's another thing to actually make a difference, knock on the doors, get out the vote and really advocate for what you believe in. So that's really what it's always drawn me towards the groups that I've been a part of.
0: Yeah, wow, 16. Uh, making me feel lazy because I'm pretty sure all I was doing at 16 was uh maybe doing the occasional piece of homework and then, you know, just trying to get my driver's license. So yeah. um yeah, I I guess I uh, should have reevaluated what I was doing back then. But um yeah, so you've been uh it sounds like heavily involved. And then what was kind of the um you know, especially I know one of the things that we wanted to talk about here is is your uh, uh one of the younger elected officials. Um you know, certainly in the area but across the state frankly you're you're uh, one of the few below the age of 35 and so what what was it uh, part of your skill set or background that that led you to um, not just want to run but think you would do you know frankly think you'd do a good job uh, in the role and be able to provide value there and then you know also what is it like being a younger elected official and interfacing with department heads and folks who are you know in some cases nearly
1: twice your age yeah no that's a, that's a great question so I would say my, my background is I'm a finance major from the University of Washington. I have a minor in American Indian Studies. Uh, my family background are entrepreneurs. We have a cattle ranch, we have gas stations. So I grew up in a small business, small ag type of background all my life. Um, I So what happened here at the Yakima County in 2022 is we had to go through a redistricting um, lawsuit. So essentially, so all three of our county commissioners are elected by district in the primary and by district in the general, which was a huge shift from the way it was done before. Um, and also, uh, the way the the map was drawn, my district, District 2, ended up being essentially the urban populous center of the county. I have the city of Yakima and the city of Union Gap. And so I uh, initially was on a task force uh, of community leaders to, to reach out to folks living in District 2 to figure out which conservative were we going to have run in District 2 because our current uh, commissioner, Ron Anderson, would decided to, to step down the incumbent. and So after about three months of not getting any takers just because of the uncertainty of the district and whether or not it would actually carry a Republican, I thought, you know what, I'll give it a shot. I thought I had the skill set, and I thought that I was in a position to to bring some value-add experience, particularly in finance, knowing that all of our municipals and our counties struggle as we always do and will with with budgeting and ensuring we're being stewards of of the taxpayer taxpayer dollars. So that's really what drawn me to the position and decided to run. And I did have an opponent, a very well-connected liberal opponent who had previously served on city council and was also deputy mayor uh, of city council. And she was really well-connected to uh, labor groups as well as environmental groups on the west side. And so I did get out, spend two to one, But I I put in the work um, and was able to target the particular households that I felt would believe in my message of bringing a a fiscal conservative uh, approach to to our budget and streamlining our government, uh, bringing efficiencies, but also bringing uh, a a fresh take on some some things that we haven't done in this county that we should be doing, such Mm as uh, translating all of our uh, government official documents in Spanish, uh, ensuring that we have adequate resources for our Spanish speakers when they access government services, because as you know, can uh, over fifty percent of our population in Yakima County is actually um, Hispanic origin. And so, yeah. um, it's been a it's been a surreal experience for sure. As you said, I, I get to work with folks who are uh, who have worked for the county longer than I've been alive, and it's a it's a rewarding yeah. experience. And I think for me, I, I, I I'm a humble individual in the sense that. The directors that I have the opportunity to work with, I respect their history. I respect their their, their look at things, but I also ask for them to, to respect my point of view as well and, and to entertain change. And that's really been the preference of what I've been pushing for this last year is that there's a lot of processes that we do in this courthouse that are a little bit more behind other counties and other other municipals that, that we have an opportunity to, to refine and do better and quite frankly, uh, help cut, cut costs as well as the number of employees it takes to operate this county.
0: Now you touched on uh, a number of the issues that you uh, campaigned on and have been working on since you started. And so you kind of just, you recently just completed your first year in the role. Um, How has that been going? How do you think the, the, how has the role matched up with your expectations when you first chose to run? And then um, what are some of the areas that you've carved out as uh, kind of areas of focus where you've been leading the way on, on tackling some of those issues?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I will say it takes a lot to move government in the right direction, uh, and you're not you're not going to accomplish too much in one year. But there have been you, some. You wins. don't say.
0: Government doesn't move uh, <laughs> at lightning speed. Well, huh? I, you
1: know, I, I I had the level set there, um, but I've had a few wins that I, I'm really proud of. One, for example, we were able to bring back our, our passport center uh, back to the back to the courthouse. We had quit uh, offering the passport services during COVID. Uh, and then once I heard that folks were having to schedule two months out for a postal service visit in Seattle uh, because of, you know, how much of a backlog we had here locally, I was like, you know, what, that's an easy win. So yeah. we were able to get that taken care of. I talked about the the Spanish translation of official documents as, as well as signage in a courthouse. And I also uh, didn't highlight this yet, but a 2% uh, increase uh, in, uh, in pay for employees that get uh, Spanish certified. Uh, Spanish speaking mm. certified just to ensure that we have a workforce that is representative of the of the language that that folks are speaking in and accessing government services. Uh, what else I have been really spending a lot of time on and I think we'll talk about later today is, is homelessness and our homelessness response system in the county. Uh, we spend a lot of money just like a lot of other counties and municipals in this effort and I have a special interest in it having served on our homeless. Uh, Yakima County homeless Coalition four years ago representing the business interests and, and understanding what went into the five-year plan and so now that I'm on the inside seeing where we're meeting the marks and where we're really have an opportunity to, to do better and, and to refine in our homeless response system that's been I spent a lot of time uh there just because it is an extremely important issue not only for for district two for the cities here but also for the entire uh, Yakima County.
0: Great. Yeah, no, so that, that leads right into uh, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on was um, homelessness is obviously a uh, big subject um, across the state. And and I think when uh, folks initially hear the um, issue of homelessness come up, they think of primarily Seattle. Uh, West Side. they might think of Spokane, or they've had some issues come up, uh, more public facing issues come up recently. Uh, but those of us in Eastern Washington, um, you know, we may see it every day as we drive around or or look at ways to to help different uh, nonprofits in the area who are tackling the issue. But um, I'd say it doesn't necessarily spring to mind. You, you don't think of Yakima and, and in my case, uh, Tri-Cities, but um, w- would love to kind of get your take on uh, homelessness in Yakima. And, and maybe if you could, um, especially because you lived there for a few years, contrast it to how it may be the same and how it may be different from what's experienced in Seattle. You know, obviously, Separate from just the raw numbers um, being different, I can imagine. But how do you see those two kind of? Um, yeah, you know, what is it like Yakma versus Seattle? And and um, yeah, if you could just kind of to set it yeah. out for
1: us. Yeah, there's many ways we can kind of digest that. I, I would say the first thing for for me that I've realized is that you, you got to think of homelessness as is kind of like the tip of the iceberg, right? We all see this visible homelessness, which is a very small percentage of homelessness on our streets. That is the visibility, and that is how a lot of folks gauge how much homelessness is in their community or how big of a quote unquote problem it is. But the true reality is there is a lot of homelessness that's not even visible. And we have resources that are targeting and being utilized by those folks to prevent them from becoming the visible homelessness that you see living Mm -hmm. in encampments and in, in our streets. I think the biggest contrast for me, Ken, that I've realized having lived in Seattle for six years and of course being home now for six years is that we have a different appetite for how we handle Our homeless response system here in yakima county and it's one that i'm i'm going to say that i'm essentially proud of in the sense that it's not how do i say here in yakima county the way we look at homelessness is we have compassion but we also have accountability and i think that's important i think when you look at homelessness in seattle you see it spewing out into your parks into your streets into into every alleyway into homeowners backyards it's just it's it's gotten out of control and it's because there is no accountability I think, uh, you know, you can spend a lot of money and a lot of energy and a lot of effort trying to combat a very complex problem because, I mean, let's be real, chronic homelessness is very complex, but you also have to be willing as an elected official or leader to uh, stand behind changing behavior, to telling uh, your population that it's not okay to sleep uh, on the street. It's not okay to sleep under uh, uh, our ramps or, or in our parks. And that's, been something that we have struggled with with here in, in the county is because you know, as you know, the state had some recent um, uh, drug possession laws that really kind of turned the tide uh, for us in the wrong direction here in Yakima County. Mm-hmm. When the the drug possession laws were enact, we saw an increase of uh, probably about fifteen percent, I think, is what it was for homelessness in our county because of that. We definitely saw a correlation, and now that it's been repealed, we've uh, started to see a little bit more. Uh, clean up it cleaner and a little bit different type of homelessness that that is needing uh, resources in utilization. So for me, th- those are the biggest differences. I think that it's here in Yakima County, we have compassion, but we also have accountability. We're very much focused on measurable outcomes. Uh, we spend a $2.7 million a year in our county towards homelessness, our homelessness response effort. And the way you can look at that 2.7 is half of it is essentially spent Towards rental assistance and subsidies to help people prevent them from becoming homelessness in the first place. And the other half is spent into our, our shelters. But both of those sides of the equation are heavily looked at with desired outcomes. We look at performance measures and we try to target and fund programs that we see a positive return in.
0: What, what, what I think you uh, touched on something that I was going to allude to later is that, you know, I think oftentimes um, we confuse acceptance with compassion. And that's definitely not the case. Um, and, and, you know, so you brought up how much Yakima is, is spending. And I was actually curious because, you know, to the to the contrast of Seattle and the state, um, I think folks can, can have uh, money spent be a stand-in for progress made. And so you have stories like, uh, um, you know, it's been well documented Seattle spent over $1 billion in the last 10 or 11 years or so. Um, Washington state recently had one of their initiatives. I think it was the right of way initiative, uh, spent roughly 1 million per homeless individual who had been transitioned out of encampments. And there was, I think just 126 of them total. Um, so that to me seems like a abject failure. And so would you mind, and, and you kind of touched on this a bit, but how, how are you and how is Yakima, um, measuring success and, and how do you think we, uh, can either get out of or avoid the mindset that dollars spent equals progress made or, or you know, greater investment is a successful endeavor.
1: Yeah, no, you know, it's to caveat to that too, Ken. I would also add that, you know, when, when folks talk about homelessness, they think one homeless individual must equal one one housing unit, right? That mm-hmm. has been kind of mm-hmm. what we're told and what I've realized over this last year. That's not entirely true, that we have folks who are experiencing homelessness who just need some behavioral health assistance, who need some substance use treatment, who need some sort of help to get them off of their their illness that they're in, and they, and they have available unit uh, of housing there. So it's not mm-hmm. a one-to-one equation. Um, for us, uh, what we look at, or what I'm particularly interested in, and you can only do this if you have adequate data, like it all boils down to data, and yeah. it's taking us a long time in this county. It's taken us three years, frankly, to get our data in a good point where we can start saying, well, yeah, this particular program offered by this particular provider is having positive outcomes, it is having exits out of homelessness, and that is what we're looking for, because no one deserves to live forever in a uh, in a shelter, that's just not, not humane, but, and no one especially doesn't de- deserve to live out, out in the elements, uh, that is definitely not humane. So yeah. for us, it's all, it's about tying the resources, the correct resources to the individual, and not just throwing money at something that it may not be needed.
0: Well, so I, I have a lot of other questions, but uh, first want to welcome Josh uh, to the show. So uh, for those of you who are tired of hearing my voice, don't worry, there is a um, respite of that here coming soon. So Josh, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the show. You had uh, um, a pretty good question on some of the uh, nonprofit um, partnerships. I think that kind of yeah. Blends well with where we've been. We just got to the money issue and I think we transitioned out of that. So if you want to jump with those questions, Josh, those are I think those are great when you sent those over earlier.
2: Yeah, I I think uh, that that seems like a nice segue if you're talking about some of the financial aspects and because one of the things that I think we as conservatives welcome is partnerships with nonprofits and non-governmental entities. And you know, I've I read that Yakima County is partnering with a number, whether it's Triumph Treatment Services, Rods House, Barth Clinic. So we we again we we liked seeing that um, that partnership. What would you say to that realm? Like um, you know, I think there's probably just as many constituents that wonder why we're giving tax dollars to private organizations. How would you address that question? And then also, how do you make sure that those organizations that you partner with are accountable and they're using tax dollars appropriately? And what is the the end goal in working with those
1: organizations? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think it's a fundamental question that you might get different responses from different electeds depending on their purview. So for us, and I'm proud to say my board, we're all in full support of this mythology, if you will say, is we never support a program 100% with government dollars at all. Like the dollars that we throw into any program is expanding an existing program with the hopes that that existing pr- program program with the expansion we're able to provide them will become self-sustaining in the future. That is the end goal. Um, because we don't want to deploy dollars and we don't want them to be forever tied up in some sort of of, of service. So we're very particular on that. And I was sharing with Ken earlier, we're very particular on measurable outcomes. And so everything that you were just talking about with Barth and Rod's House and, and Comprehensive Health, that is us deploying our mental health sales tax dollars. Essentially, we bring in about, it'll be close to around $6 million a year in mental health sales tax dollars that we get to utilize. Um, and so this first round, we put out quite a few dollars into all sorts of various programs that are very specific and tying into three really fundamental um, gaps, I guess, we we have identified as, as a board of county commissioners. So we did a study on youth, a study on our jail system, and a study on the homeless response system. And in those reports, they're called intersecting systems mapping is what it's called. We've identified nine different areas our uh, are gaps. And so when we went out to the public to ask them, how would you utilize these mental health sales tax dollars? We asked them to tie them back into the gaps that were already identified. So that we can show at the end of this two-year cycle that yeah we we helped narrow the gap so there's no more a gap or you know this program didn't quite deliver as intended.
2: Yeah, and I imagine you're you're partnering with organizations that have some sort of proven track record of success. You can expand on that success as opposed to as you mentioned just fully funding a program and then hoping for the best.
1: Yeah, and, and you know it, it comes to a caveat too. I mean, more particular for like for example our shelter providers who provide shelter in our county. We're, we're a very large county. We're the second largest county by mass, and we're the eighth largest by population. So there's actually quite a few people that live here in our county. However, we're very resource strapped. So as a result, I don't have 50 uh, homeless service providers that I get to work with. I have 12. And so very quickly, you realize that there's not a lot of capacity or opportunity for other providers to come up and, and fill the the need in our, in our community, unless they're truly fully funded by a private backer or the government. And that is something that I've, I've struggled with because one of the issues we're having is our shelters that we have are, and the providers that operate them are all in the city of Yakima proper, right? But we have homelessness that is up and down our lower valley. And what happens is since there's no shelter there, where do they go? They come up into the city. And so I've been trying to figure out like, how do I find a provider that will do a shelter service in our lower valley, and it's been very, very troubled. Uh, troublesome is because there's so much cost to it, so no one has that cash flow sitting around of private dollars to go and utilize. So it's a very the catch twenty two.
2: Yeah, and I I know that quite a bit of the the dollars that you have at your disposal are often coming from other sources. But what are you, what is your philosophy as far as partnering with faith based organizations? I know that's been a battle, I will say, from from the national level all the way down to the local level about whether or not we should be partnering with faith-based organizations to provide services like this or even something completely different. But is that an approach that you have considered?
1: Well, so we do partner with, with some faith-based organizations, but the caveat to that I will say is the harsh reality for us in, in Yakima County. Again, we have $2.7 million that we get to deploy. 73% of that comes directly from the state our State Department of Commerce. And as you know, the state likes to throw in their own right. strings and rules attached to it. And so a lot of the times, the reality of the, the programs we're able to fund and operate and the rules and regulations in which they, they need to operate under stem from the Department of Commerce. So we, do, we are cognizant of that. So we've had to utilize some of our local dollars that don't necessarily have those types of strings attached to it for more specific initiatives that we wanted to focus on as, as commissioners
0: you know, just because you brought up um, state funding uh, and earlier you said about some some of the um, recent drug laws that had gone through had a direct correlation to, I think you said, 15% increase in homelessness, right? Um, And so are there any uh, bills that you're tracking out of uh, the legislature this year that you're hoping to either um, see, make it through the process or hoping to see, have a quick and painful death?
1: I got like eight pages of bills. I could say, <laughs> no, there, one, there, one there, or two would lot, be great. Yeah, no, there are a lot of different bills that we we have been been watching, and I know one that's scheduled for a hearing. Of course, is our uh, the initiative two one one three, which is the uh, state's vehicle or pursuit law. Obviously, we yeah. are in support of getting that uh, that changed back to normalcy. I would say because um, we've had a few incidents in our own county of where things should have not gone the way they have, but. You know, what's surreal to me, guys, is, you know, we I was we were extremely hopeful. Well, you know, the drug ordinance, um, you know, pass at the state and what have you. And so it came went back to local control. But I kid you not, in our county, we have had zero drug possession go through our courts. So zero filings. And that's just the reality of what society has adopted to. You know, it's like even though it's on the books now that you can actually charge someone with possession of, of drugs. It's normal. It's normal now. It's normalcy to, to not to not do that, and that's I, I continue to struggle with with that.
0: I was just trying to see when the um, hearing was. I, it's this week, right?
1: Uh, it says the twenty eighth at nine a.m. So I think that's Wednesday. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, today's only Monday. That's. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. other then a quick plug, uh, the, those of you out there listening who may be supportive of the initiative that. Um, Kyle just brought up. You can actually uh, log in and um, you know mark yourself as in support of it. You don't have to attend. You don't have to drive out down to Olympia or, or testify. Simply just um, adding your name to the yay column or nay if you're um, against it. But uh, I think there's plenty of <laughs> good reasons to support it. So if you are, uh, uh, do that. And maybe we'll try to post something um, about that on the Facebook, Josh. I yeah, can find well, the link.
2: You, you just gave me a deadline to get this edited and posted as well, I guess there. So <laughs> no, shoot, <yes. laughs> no, that's all. You're again. welcome. <laughs> so, um, you know, circling back a little bit here, cause I, 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 know that, um, right, right around when I joined, I know you were talking about some of the, the, the goals and targets and measurements that you're specifically targeting. And I know that Yakima County back in 2019 released a five-year plan and then it was updated in 2021, and so a lot of that was done before you you joined the the commission. But um, how would you say that's going overall? Like, can you give us a status update? And based on where the original plan was from 2019, where would you say we are? Like, I'm not asking for a letter grade in Yakima or anything like that. I know mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's an ongoing issue that that um, evolves and changes and funding sources and all sorts of dynamics but overall how would you say the plan is going it's a, fan- it's a fantastic
1: question because that that 2019 if yeah, the 2019 uh, five year plan to end homelessness I actually had the opportunity to work on that plan uh as a uh, appointee to the committee representing the business private sector so it was it was a surreal experience i would say it's we're not too far off but we definitely could and are going to do better i think the reality is as that plan doesn't do a very good job of of level setting with uh, KPIs, key performance indicators. Of you know, by year three, this is what we want to accomplish, and by year five. And so, you can't directly correlate. And I'm a numbers guy. I think at the end of the day, while numbers don't uh, solve all the problems in the world, they can at least show some things that we may or may not have realized if we if we weren't weren't looking at numbers. Um, we're going to have to go through and redo our five-year plan. All counties do. It's a requirement in order to get the state monies that, that I was talking about. And for us, that's 73% of our dollars. So it's very vital that we do that. And the state, of course, has different um, things they would like you to focus on. Of course, there will be an equity lens that we will have to, to throw into to our five-year plan that we didn't have uh, in 2019. But nonetheless, I think the components will be the same. For me, I will continue to stress that in our homeless response system, we have to have good data. If you don't have good data, you can't measure how your dollars are being spent. And if they're being spent in a, in a way that uh, supports a positive outcome. Um, the other thing I will say about our five-year plan, it is very narrow in scope. I have come to realize that a lot of the folks who become chronic homeless and uh, and chronic homelessness is defined by someone who's been homeless for over a year and has an underlying condition. An underlying condition it can be a mental health issue. It can be a substance use issue. It can be, uh, you know, a lot. Um, for us, those that is the most alarming type of homelessness to have because it's not just simply finding a housing unit that's available, getting them in there, getting them a job, and then they're off on their way. No, these are folks that require extensive amount of time uh, and resources to get them back to, quote unquote, uh, being a normal, normalized citizen of society. And so we have a large percentage of chronic homelessness that our, our county unfortunately has. And so I've spent a lot of time looking at, well, what is our capacity for behavioral health services as well as treatment programs? And what uh, what pathways are there for folks to exit, say, out of our county jail who's homeless into a direct rehab program to get them um, established? And so I guess my point being is for our Updated plan that we'll need to start working on next year in 2025. I very much plan to to point out and have us identify additional pathways out of homelessness. We can't get out of the mindset that you know one size fits all because that's just that's just not the reality.
0: You brought up the importance of data again. Not necessarily numbers don't solve the problem, but they can illuminate issues or or opportunities that aren't you know, apparent just before that or before having that, the, the data available. So one of my questions around the, the homelessness data is that's gotta be challenging to acquire and also not just to, to gather, but also to gather trustworthy um, data. So e- even things like trying to ascertain uh, the most common pathways to homelessness. Um, Cause you know, identifying how someone becomes homeless goes into how you'll help either get them out or prevent others from falling down the same path. Um, so can you speak a bit to the data that Yakima's collecting and then, um, what are you finding to be some of the, are, are you running into those challenges and then how are you kind of, I mean, at some point, right, you get enough data, you can kind of sift through the unreliability of human responses, but uh, to get to that place, you'd have to have just a ton of data points, which oh, if yeah. you're getting, I, maybe you are, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, if you could just speak to some of that, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, no, uh, we definitely are. And, and I guess a little bit of backstory. So. Uh, in regards to who's provided the homelessness response system in our county, it's been kind of passed around a few times. So there was a different agency besides the county that was providing those services, right? So they were the ones that were managing the data. And so when you have organizations that pass things back and forth, data is going to be a little bit inconsistent w- when those transitions occur. So it's taken the county, uh t- it's taken us about three years to get it into a good place. So we're finally at a point where we have one data system that all of our service providers use. They all log it the same way and they all have expectations and the languages in their contracts that they have to do it in a timely manner within a monthly basis. So now we can look at monthly data rolling in, seeing where people are at, seeing what types of services there are, seeing if people are re-entering into services, right? Because if they're re-entering, then they are they didn't exit on the right path. So we got to find them a different path. And it's really providing a, more of a case a uh, uh, case handling model to to our our homelessness population and other counties have been more successful at that than I think we have. But we're making that shift of being strategic on how we look at our our what's called a coordinated entry list. These are uh, everyone in, that's entered into the system is on a list and they take a survey and they get a number based on vulnerability scores, based off situation, based off of need, right? And so there's a list. And as we go through the list, our our human resources folks they talk through the story of each of these individuals, and they try to place them in a program um, that fits their needs. Right? We're doing this every week uh, on a manual basis, one by one by one. So, again, we're not leveraging technology. So we're trying to do it on the provider side by saying, "Hey, provider, if you can tell me that you have one bed that is guaranteed for a family that has substance use treatment available, that also allows say." big sex offenders, that is a criteria that I can pair up to uh, someone that's waiting on the list, right? And have the system automatically match people so that when we look at it, it's done for us and we can actually move on to, to more complex situations. So it's just recognizing that we have access to data, recognizing how to use it correctly, but also recognizing that it takes time to, to get there. And that's for me, guys, to be honest, has been the most frustrating thing. It's just how long it takes large organizations to be able to get to a point of solid, reasonable data that makes sense is actually something that you can use.
2: Well, you mentioned some other counties may be doing this better, and I, every county faces its unique challenges, so not necessarily a uh, criticism or even necessarily praise for a certain county or versus another. But what, what counties do you think are handling this pretty well?
1: As far as the data and the utilization of yeah. data to provide the, the matching component that I'm very intrigued about, Skagit and Whatcom County have done a really good job. They really have. And so I lean on their resources a lot uh, to, to kind of benchmark, if you will say, of how I would like to see our our response system and how we're using data.
2: And this this is sort of a, a wild question with that. Like, is there a software out, out there for this or is it sort of just rudimentary? No, there is, or, right. Yeah. So,
1: well... You know, so some counties, such as King County, will have it—a whole department that works on a software solution for oh, them. Sure. Right? Of for us, Yakima County, we don't have those types of resources. So what we utilize is actually the state system. It's called HMIS, um, the homeless, uh, yeah, the homeless uh, information system. Um, and so that's what we utilize. And so it's not the sharpest, sexiest-looking software out there. It's you know, it's pretty dull, but it does what it needs to accomplish. Uh, when, when folks know how to utilize it. And so we've had to send a few of our, our county personnel to get trained in how to run the special reports or how to do the special coding so that we can run specialized reports that fit the needs and the wants of Yakima County. So
2: I, I know that there's a lot of surveys that are taken, and obviously you can gather a lot of this data when they enter the system, but how much is happening like out on the streets, like uh, walking around, trying to find people or just approaching someone and getting some basic information from them?
1: That's a great question. So we have four outreach contracts, the county does. And so that's exactly what they do. Uh, we have four of them. Uh, one specifically just focuses on our youth population and the other three kind of re- uh, just revolve around the county and what they do every day is they go out there and they take surveys. Uh, it's usually first initial last name is how information is ca- and date of birth, of course it's kept tracking the system. So through our HMIS system, we can see, well, this person was counted in January. We A service provider didn't touch them again until July. Where did they stay seven months? Because they, they're not showing up in our shelter system, right? So we see trends of, 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 of that nature.
2: And I, I know from that five-year plan, there was some level of unwillingness to participate and basically refused. I know the number wasn't huge. I want to say it was something like 6% that I saw which actually seems surprisingly low. What do you think about as far as the reliability of that data? So maybe maybe getting back a little bit to what Ken was asking, but when such a significant part of this problem is mental illness or drug use, like, do you find that it is reliable in general, or especially I guess when they keep entering the system, you learn more and more about these people. But how reliable That's, is
1: it? No, my eyes have been opened very very uh, widely on this issue of like what is when you. If you ask me, what is the count of homelessness in your county? I would have to pause and I would have to be, well, define what you mean by homeless because the federal government defines it differently right. than the state department. Commerce defines it versus the uh, of how we handle it in Yakima County. But what the numbers you're re- reporting to, and I do think for us, when we look at numbers and homelessness, I think it's important to look at trends. Don't Don't focus too much on the number, but focus trends year over year. That is really the value add of what I get in my role. But the point in time count that we do all counties do it uh well the entire nation does actually it's a hud mandated uh, count uh we go out and it's the last week in january and you have a survey and the survey are very particular questions that again come from the federal government so they're a little bit wonky um but to your point of folks actually can refuse to take the survey or they can actually say that no they're not homeless when very much they're sleeping in an encampment in our homelessness right and so i had the opportunity to engage in this process this year to just see how these questions are asked and how you engage in the dialogue. And you literally have to answer on the survey exactly as that individual responds. Even though if you're a service provider and you, you know Johnny and you know very well Johnny isn't telling you what he usually tells you, you have to record what Johnny tells you that day. And so that's why a lot of our service providers don't like the point in time count because it just doesn't give us what they feel and I, and I agree, it doesn't give us the true count of how much homelessness is there. But for for a policymaker, I think we lean into the pit, the point in time count on trend data. from We can base it year after year after year. And again, for me, what is alarming and what I want to see lower, not increase, is chronic homelessness. Chronic homelessness is the type of homelessness that costs the most dollars and the most resources, and it's the hardest to resolve. It doesn't happen overnight
0: just just real quick just because you brought up the trend um and just to clarify so is that trend of chronic homelessness going up
1: it is so uh i haven't seen our 2024 count uh they're supposed to release it in the middle of this month but for 2023 yes it did it did go up i i don't have the numbers in front of me but i think ours went up about 15 10% and the year before that i actually think it went up 30% chronic homelessness
0: um we're just curious of the of the increasing of the increasing trend if you all are able to parse this out this way can you tell what per, what percentage of those new homelessness or chronic homelessness individuals are um you know uh, folks from the county who were previously not homeless who have now due to some sort of circumstance mental illness um, substance abuse or just frankly you know bad luck um that have become homeless or, or how many of how many of that number are perhaps folks from other counties moving to so on. Yeah. Yakima and some yeah.
1: Way. No, that, that, that is a great question. And our, our pit data does that, but honestly, I don't even look at the pit for that. I, I look at our HMIS data that's in our, uh, that, you know, that, that is reported on a monthly basis and on, mm-hmm. on a typical month, it's less than 5% of our folks are outside County residents. It's really, it is, it is our, our local, our local folks. And you might ask, well, why are you looking at it monthly? Well, we see what's going on, you know, on our Southern border. Right. And yeah. so, if I start to see a trend and we're starting to feel the crunch in our shelters, I know that that is an alarming state for me. And I know that we can't handle that, that capacity and that we're going to have to act quickly to mitigate um, anything of that nature. So.
0: Well, and again, better knowing the source can help you address the actual issue. Yep.
1: I was just going to say what, what makes our pit count here in Yakima County, maybe a little bit different than other areas of the state is that we have a very unique, uh, partnership with the Yakima nation. And so we actually ask an additional question on our surveys of what, um, what tribe that member, if they, if they classify themselves in American Indian, what tribe do they actually fall under? Right. That is data that the, the nation has always wanted. And so we've worked very uh, cordially with them on providing that to them.
2: Well, you mentioned some of the sort of transient nature of, of this problem and I know it, it's a glaring need in the, specifically in the Tri-Cities that we've lacked resources for mental health and um, treatment of addiction. So that that is a big process that we're, we're trying to build a facility here. Is there much, you know, shipping, I, I'll say, for lack of a better term, of, hey, we've got someone here, can you take them? Or are you essentially at capacity with your own population in Yakima County?
1: So here's the unique thing that you guys will probably find interesting as I did. So Yakima County on a per capita basis has more treatment beds than anywhere else in the state. Right. We do. We just do. We have a lot of. And so when when I started to ask those those service providers, I say, so what percentage of the folks that you're serving at your treatment centers are actually Yakima's, you know, from from our area? And it's always less than 20 percent. And, and I, at first I was wow. struggling with that, but that's you know, that's not a hard thing to phantom anymore with the fact that, you know, a majority of our population lives on the West side. So if they're needing treatment services, they're going to come over to Yakima and that's where, the, where they go. Um, but the caveat to that too, is that I've, uh, when I've done my outreach and chatting with folks, um, experiencing homelessness in our community, I've come across people that has, you know, came up from Alabama or came up from the East side of the country, came to Yakima for a treatment program, got out, didn't do so well and ended it back up on the street so it does kind of have a catch-22 but I, I like i said it's less than five percent of our population on any given time seems to be from outside the county well
2: and granted as you said a, a significant portion of the funding is coming from state sources but still is that, it's not an insignificant portion that residents of yakima county are there for funding so when there are those transfers you know obviously people can move wherever they want in this country but when there are transfers potentially from other counties, is there any sort of funding aspect to that?
1: There is, there is, uh, the, there's, there's funding on the local level and of course the state level that will match, you know, local dollars that you put into it. You know, I think something that I haven't been able to solve, right. It's like, so we have encampments uh, along our, our greenway, which is our river, uh, the Yakima river and kind of our, our pathway, right. That's always an ongoing, what I'll say issue for, for the counties because it's county property, they. Uh, these folks live there, they build up garbage, and then and then we have to come in and clean it up all at the cost of the taxpayer. And so me trying to be preventive, it's like, well, if we put caseworkers out there and they finally convince someone uh, and someone is ready on that day to get into treatment, how long does it take them to get into treatment? You know, And it, it can vary. It can vary from one week. It can vary from three weeks. It can vary to a month. And that is the frustrating uh, component that I have is because Again, the chronic homeless that we're dealing with, these are folks that when you get a yes out of them on that day, that's probably the only yes you're going to get for a while. And so you got to be able to, to get them to, to what they need. But at the same time, how do you have a, um, a service provider leave an empty bed for someone that may never come, right? Because that's a dollar that, that, that they, they need to operate their facilities. And a lot of these providers, they're not necessarily uh, major for-profit institutions. They are very much almost not-for-profit, so... I struggle with that. I don't have an answer because we've been trying to mitigate that ourselves.
2: Well, um, really appreciate your time talking about this topic. Um, where, where should people go if they want to be helpful or learn more about the homelessness issue in Yakima? Um, so what are the resources for just your everyday concerned
1: citizen that we should s- direct people towards? Yeah, if you typed in Yakima County uh, Homeless Coalition, That'll give you to the basically the landing page, the county landing page that lists all the various organizations that we work with, resources that are there, data on our point in time counts, as well as the five year plans. And then again, uh, Joshua, you mentioned our annual updates that we have to do of how we're meeting those goals or not meeting them. So all of that is available on our county website.
2: That's excellent. And also, you know, we we usually just have people on here promoting their own their own candidacy or their own uh, services as an elected official. So I know we, we kind of did a little bit more of a, a deep dive into policy wonkishness, which Ken and I are big fans of. So we really appreciate yeah. you doing that. But I also want to uh, let people know that they can go to Facebook and follow Kyle at Kyle for Yakima. Find him there. And uh, I know you're not running for re-election for a couple more years, right?
1: No, I'm actually up this year. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I sir, yeah. Oh, so we, feeling... we redistricted because oh. we redistricted, so they had to stagger the the district. So myself and District uh, three will have to run in the, this presidential cycle. So it'll be interesting, you know, because for us in Yakima County, uh, I will be at the very bottom of the ballot. So let's hope people fill it all out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah. Let's uh, let's not lose sight of those important, uh, down, down ballot races. So, uh, well, that, that's good to know. I educated myself on that because I just assumed you were sitting pretty for a couple more years, but, uh, I, any opponents, uh, dare stick their heads out yet?
1: You know, not yet, but I I do expect, uh, there'll be a few folks that might throw their hats in, which is healthy. I, I welcome that. And I, I look forward to some good conversations, but you know, you both know, I'm going to work hard. So uh, I've got a lot uh, on my list. i Felt like I've accomplished a good deed, but there's there's a lot more left to do. So uh, I'm hoping to to be able to come out ahead.
0: Well, I know a few things in this life Josh enjoys more than knocking on strangers' doors and talking about politics. So if uh, you need any help, Kyle, uh, I'd gladly volunteer Josh to right on out there and uh, <laughs> knock on a few doors.
2: <laughs> hey, I, I I will do it if you come with me, Ken, and uh, if there are beverages after. So all right, I can deal. promise both. deal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for your time. We'll we'll certainly stay in touch, and we'll uh we'll be following your campaign. And uh, yeah, that that uh, offer definitely stands. Be
1: happy to help. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. You too. Yeah. Thanks, and Kyle.